1: When it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and Waiting. the Eighteen. that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade. Take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to. The final Rewind a Raw of 2022, because next week we will have the absolute best of Rewind a Raw coming at you. The absolute best. It It will be beyond entertaining to watch WWE do a 2022 year in review show next Monday where I would imagine we are not going to hear the words Vince McMahon once on this year in review of the past 12 months of how WWE has been, uh, how they have navigated the year. That is next guess, Monday for three hours, a best of show.
0: Well, I don't know what you would consider uh, anything that he would be involved with um, to be the best of, of any category. It'd be the worst, if anything, with him and uh,
1: uh, uh, Pat McAfee. Very true. I'm just uh, I'm looking at it more as like a a year in review kind of uh, show. But you're right. I'm sure they will be uh, highlighting the uh, the on screen product, uh, and we will not hear anything newsworthy of uh, what happened outside of the ring. But that's next week, so. Yeah, interestingly enough, the WWE, I heard about this like earlier today, that yes, tonight, they are in fact, they were just doing the one show in Des Moines, Iowa, they were not doing a double taping, and this isn't to just give the crew a night off either, like, they're on the road next week, they have two house shows on Monday night, one at Madison Square Garden, which is one of the big house shows of the year, which is predominantly a SmackDown show, it's, um other than Kevin Owens, it's pretty much a SmackDown house show, and then, The Raw crew in Columbus, Ohio, but they are doing a three-hour best-of show next week, which is very interesting given the lengths that this company goes to at times to make sure that they have, uh, I mean, they went through the pandemic. I don't think they missed a week of uh, live uh, new content on on Monday night, but they are, uh, I guess, theoretically throwing in the towel for next Monday and hyping up the following week's Raw for the first show of 2023 with two title matches.
0: Mhm yeah um I'm happy for you know this Iowa crowd not having to sit through another you know 3 hour raw that I think that would have been a um kind of difficult and yeah I don't know maybe they're looking at the competition they're realizing it's the day after christmas we're probably not going to do great numbers anyway why overwork our our staff and
1: the audience I guess so, but again, like they—they they are like running shows, but they, yeah, they—they they obviously made the decision that you know Columbus, it's going to just be a house show next next Monday with that raw crew. So you'll have you'll have pretty much the whole crew in a major arena next Monday for you know two and a half hours, and we'll have uh, this best of show. So there, the TV crew gets the. The, the, the TV crew gets a, gets a much needed break. And I think mm-hmm. that overall that, that, that that's very good. This is just, it, it's very unlike uh, WWE that here we are um, just the circumstances of it all. So anyway, we are going to uh, look ahead to this week. It's a very big week for post wrestling. You have been counting down all year for it. This week, we have the post wrestling Christmas show that is going to be premiering this Friday night at 11 PM Eastern time in place ...of Rewind to SmackDown. So it's a special holiday schedule this week. We are going to have uh, Rewind Away dropping on Tuesday night. We will have Rewind to Dynamite on Wednesday. The Wellness Policy will be live on Thursday at 3 Eastern. And then the Christmas show on Friday... Which we will remind everyone will include the annual jingle contest, and the deadline is Wednesday. Forum.postwrestling.com. The uh, the true leaders of the forum. They have stepped forward. We have got multiple submissions now for the jingle contest. Uh, we still are hoping for more. So you have until Wednesday at one Eastern to submit your jingle. Um, and we look forward to hearing all your submissions. And then uh, the Christmas show will feature myself and way with many, many, many special guests joining us this Friday night, 11 p.m. Eastern Time. And what better way to celebrate the holidays than by ignoring your family, putting on your headphones, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and listening to hours of us two talking to random people that we can uh, coax into coming onto our mystery show, our mystery vortex that is the post-wrestling Christmas show.
0: It's always an awesome time checking in with uh, everybody from from the growing post-wrestling family and beyond. So uh, that'll be out Friday night for everybody. And by the way, we're going to have an ad version for the free feed, but an ad-free version also for the post-wrestling cafe. Uh, Any member of any sort of platform where you're subscribed to a post-wrestling cafe, you will get that ad-free.
1: Yes, if you, if you are considering uh, joining the cafe or getting it for that special someone, it makes a great stocking stuffer. Uh, this week, we will have Rewind Away as we are going all the way back to 2020. And we are going to review The Undertaker's one more round with Stone Cold Steve Austin on the Broken Skull Sessions. We are going to talk about this two-hour interview where they trade war stories while downing shots of Jack Daniels. And we will get Way's expert analysis on this two-hour chat between Steve Austin and one Mark Calloway. So, Cafe members will get that show on Tuesday night, ad-free edition of the Post Wrestling Christmas Show, and we can give you all... A sneak peek that next Tuesday, we will be releasing the post-wrestling five-year anniversary show that we did in Newark. In its entirety, all Post Wrestling Cafe members uh, will get access to that audio next week. So uh, jump on board at any level at postwrestlingcafe.com. Uh, give us an a, a end-of-the-year boost here, and uh, you will be getting uh, several shows over the uh, the coming weeks. Some specialty programs that we are also uh, getting set for as the year comes to a close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always.
0: Uh, and don't forget, Russell Kingdom coming up January 4th. That'll also be a cafe exclusive.
1: Correct. Yeah, it is. Uh, I just put up the uh, the schedule on the site today of all the major Japanese cards happening over the next couple of weeks. And there is some uh, huge stuff going on. A lot of interesting cards, not just from New Japan, but, of course, Stardom's big card. Uh, Ryzen and Bellator are, d- are doing a really cool head-to-head battle on New Year's Eve. You've got DDT, the Inoki uh, show that has... Josh Barnett fighting Melvin Manhoof and then Tom Lawler against Katsuyori Shibata. Um, Noah is doing, uh, their card on New Year's Day. That's highlighted by Muda and Nakamura, as well as Kenta and Marafuji getting back together. All Japan has just put out their lineups. So there will be a triple crown match, uh, with Kento Miyahara and Takuya Nomura. So there, there is some dynamite stuff, pardon the pun, going on, uh, over the next couple of weeks in Japan and like, a lot of great quality stuff. DDT is putting on a big show as well. So more than you can keep up with. But it's uh, if you are cherry picking, there is a ton to pick from on uh, the Japanese side. Are you uh, do you have your holiday plans way? Or is it going to be? Uh, what are you going to do next Monday night? That's my question. Um, I'm, I'm probably just
0: going to be, you know, spending it with, uh, Pauline and, and, uh, with the baby asleep. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe break open a couple Lego sets, you know, maybe I'll even do that.
1: Okay. That that was, uh, that was the answer. I assumed I thought maybe you'd give us a curveball, be like, man, I'm getting drunk. No, no, not much of that going on in the house. That's dude. what we should do next Monday together. Uh, if you, you're free to come over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can't. I'm busy next Monday, but, um, Maybe, maybe a future one. Oh, I'll also give a, a, a heads up to everybody. Those that are patrons uh, at the Poison Rana feed. I am on this week for my yearly stop by the uh, the BDE to chat Home Alone 2, a two hour discussion with myself, Braden and Davey, breaking down Home Alone 2. I have watched this movie probably fifty times in my life. This is the most meticulous I have ever followed it and broken it down and There were some real truths that I, I came to much. Mainly around Peter McAllister, not an innocent bystander in my estimation, but Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, uh, 30 years after its release, we sat down to chat about this, and now I have a year to contemplate if I will go back and watch Home Alone 3 for, my, uh, for, for the first time ever. We will see. You have to. You've got to do all the
0: home, home Alones. I mean, you've done the easy work right now in 1 and 2. Now you've got to get through
1: everything else since then. Do I want to? That's the question. But Home Alone Two was a great chat with Braden Davy. So PoisonRana.ca, go check them out and check them out Tuesday night live right after NXT here on the Post Wrestling YouTube channel. They will be going through a taped edition of NXT. We'll go over that lineup in a couple of minutes. But a, a packed week here at Post Wrestling, and we hope to uh, we hope to see you at the Christmas show. Way will be wearing his sweater. Uh, we'll get the fireplace going and um, some cachitos. Yeah, you know, we had to we had to put up Christmas lights uh, this week because uh, Max was concerned. He said that we, we were going to put out Christmas lights, but they broke. So we didn't get around to fixing them. So we, we have decorations inside, but not outside. And he was kind of down about this on Sunday. I'm like, what's the issue? He's like, well, <laughs> Santa's not going to know what uh, to come to our house. And I was like, great point. That's a great point. So uh, True. my wife actually put up, our lights this morning. I I really didn't contribute to this at all. But now we have Christmas mm-hmm. lights. Why?
0: So do you like? Is he under the impression that if you don't have lights, you're
1: not getting a visit from Santa? Well, it's you, you want to distinguish your house. That it's uh, you know, it's like Halloween. You know what? You don't you don't go knock at the the houses that are all dark.
0: Right. You just yeah, avoid no, those it's, houses. It's very logical. I mean, I you know, you you figure Santa um, would have some sort of electronic uh, way of finding out where everybody lives these days. But, um, you know, the lights are are an extra measure that I think Mm -hmm. are worthwhile.
1: All right. PostWrestling.com for all of your latest news, all your latest findings. uh, Check it out there. We will be busy over the coming weeks. Do you think it's going to be busy news-wise over the next week? I'm hoping not. I'm hoping not. I think it will. I think something crazy will, will happen. That's not me uh, trying to hint at something. I'm just It's just my, my gut feeling. So anyway, let's get into uh, a very brief news pack because there isn't uh, a ton to, to break down here. Just going back to Friday night, SmackDown, uh, dipping from that big Kurt Angle episode, they were down 5% in viewers, uh, 2.19 million and a point five two in the demo. Still number one among all network programs. And second on television for the night, the demo was down 8%. Uh, they were down in their demos, but they were coming off like a pretty big number the prior week with over 2.3 million viewers. So uh, Kurt Angle, a, a confirmed needle mover that, um, you know, Uncle Howdy turned out not to be on Friday. Is that our conclusion on mean, Friday? Maybe they should just cast
0: Kurt Angle as Uncle
1: Howdy. Problem solved. Man, um Possibilities just abound by such a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, over on TNT, Rampage um, had another uh, good week. They were up to 15th among cable originals, uh, slightly up in viewers, uh, 464,000 viewers, but a big jump elsewhere, 32% increase in their 18 to 49 number. And as I was saying last week, I believe on Friday, I said Rampage's realistic goal right now, they're their litmus test for a successful show these days, given where they've been, they should be aiming for 200,000 viewers. And this week they hit 197. So I think like that's, that's the barometer of, to me, of what a good rampage number is these days by the current standards of rampage. So they were, um, you know, a, a, a big increase in, in women pretty much across the board. And this, you know, to me would be, uh, Compared to two weeks ago with their all time low in the demo, they nearly doubled from two weeks ago. So, um it's you know, two weeks of John Moxley, it seemed to have been at least a spike for Rampage that at least is uh, you know, reminding people that this show exists, at least tuning in live on a Friday night, and if they can continue that uh this week, we shall see. Have you noticed any any have you sensed more of an urgency for rampage or are you still looking at this as a show that's that's largely the same pattern as it's been for several months?
0: I mean I've sensed more of um uh, John moxley's blood on on my screen, and I'm sure that helps um and I think his star name star value uh and and having a Brit Baker on the show, you know I'm sure it contributes something
1: for for all the uh outrage that that pizza cutter spot for Nick Gage and that that bloody women's match with the bunny last year as I recall I I think hands down the grossest thing I've watched on AEW in recent memory is John Moxley's ear and then Sammy Guevara like and Ty Conti wiping the blood of Moxley and then making out with the blood all over their faces like that that to me was like way way grosser and I don't think anyone had any uh issue with it it seems
0: uh, maybe not enough people were watching or maybe it's just, you know, pretty standard at this point um, to see something like that.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe I just have a weak stomach. Maybe that's it. It was, uh, to me, It was like, eh. maybe it was because it's from the ear. Maybe, maybe I can deal with like forehead wounds. You know, did you see the, um the, the, uh? you probably didn't, but there was this fighter on Saturday's fight night card, uh, Rafa Garcia, who took an elbow to the head and it cut an artery in the head. Really? And he, he was told it took them over two hours to stop the bleeding afterwards. And this dude won. He won a unanimous decision. And they told him he lost 20% of his blood. That's a Man. lot of blood.
0: It it doesn't feel like he should have continued this fight. But, I mean, he won. So that's nice.
1: It's a fair. Man, are you quick? Uh, yes. So there you go. Don't. Uh, don't. Cut arteries in in your head, pro wrestlers. Don't don't go that route. Okay, bad idea. All right, All right this is now. Now I got to click the explicit warning on on iTunes when we upload <laughs> this. So um, just on on a final note here, because it is a rather uh, thin uh, news week. So I wrote about this today in the the news update, but there's like a number of just uh, different articles out there, and just kind of looking at. First, the the state of cable right now. Uh, recently, I think it was Sports Journal, a sports business journal that first had these numbers out. But essentially, the number of homes that have cable has dropped uh, almost 5% from this time last year to about 78.9 million homes. And USA Network is in about just over 74 million. Uh, TBS, TNT, about a million less than that, give or take. These are rough estimates. But the point being Less and less homes have cable, and we know where this trend is going. But this was, you know, a a significant jump down, and it's this interesting dance that you see associated. You hear it all the time with ESPN that you have a lot of analysts in the industry, some that are very bullish on the idea of ESPN eventually going to a pure digital uh, offering um, away from cable. And I just cannot fathom that it gets to a point like that with with cable but if it continues to just de-escalate, like at what point are these major cable networks looking at you know the transmission fees that they're receiving and that this cash cow that is cable when does it become diminishing returns and that their belief that streaming is go- that the idea at least was that cable homes were going to migrate into streaming homes. But a lot of people got scared when that Netflix subscriber number came out in the summer and you saw that Netflix, this never ending arrow going up, suddenly it plateaued and it freaked everyone out that, okay, there is a ceiling to this and is streaming going to be the future. And then from there, it becomes sort of this, this recalculation of what are we valuing from these streaming homes? It's not just the, um, it's not just subscriber growth but it's also like what is the revenue you are you are deriving from all of these massive um the all of these massive investments into these streaming companies where you you're seeing the amount of losses that are getting posted like what peacock is losing it's just astronomical but they are they're shielded by these companies that can certainly with, withstand these losses. But it becomes such an interesting question um, specific to this industry of professional wrestling when you have the two leaders in North America gunning for their next television rights fees. And I, I would think by and large that I, I believe that WWE is going to be very secure in their next rights deal. I imagine an increase in if not a very healthy one. I think it's only going to matter how much of an increase they receive. AEW is one that... Man, you could look at a lot of examples of what's going on with Warner Brothers Discovery, with a lot of cuts they're making, not just to executive, but also programming in the pipeline. Uh, the, the NBA contract that is coming up that you would think is paramount to, um, to Warner Brothers Discovery staying in this market of live sports with such a valuable contract with, with the NBA. And what, what does an AEW represent to them? Does it represent something that, yes, this has an audience, but this is something that, you know, in in a, in a more rosier financial picture, sure, we would pick this up at a nice rate. But in this climate, we are trying to cut costs everywhere. Does this become something that is expendable given our financial realities? Or are they looking at it in the sense of we've got to play money ball? What is valuable programming that we can get the most amount of eyeballs for that comes at a bargain basement price? Bargain basement is maybe um, hy- hyperbolic, but very low as compared to other even second or third tier sports leagues. This is 52 weeks a year of programming with three hours of original content across our two networks. That could be a streaming option with an audience that will also spend money every couple of months on BR live. And this could be a great value, even if we doubled their rights fees and that's going to be the multi million dollar question. And if you are these promotions looking at, The one thing that's not going down is network television that SmackDown finds itself on. Like that is, you are now looking at Fox being in almost 50 million more homes than the USA network. Like that tells you how valuable SmackDown is when it comes to reaching the most amount of people and what it would take to move a SmackDown to a streamer or even to cable at at that. Like these are all the questions that are going to be surrounding uh, what I predict will be the biggest story of 2023 is just these these rights deals for WWE and AEW.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, at the end of the year, Comparing to maybe how optimistic everybody was about both WWE and AEW, um, you know, being up uh, for renewal this, uh, in 2023, um, getting, you know, really optimal, I would say, uh, value for, for those renegotiations. It tells you how quickly the landscape can change in a short amount of time. Um, I think a lot of it. You know, I have to assume has to do with everybody tightening their budgets and cutting things that they're no longer, um, using as, as often. And for some people, that's going to be cable TV. Uh, for some people, it's going to be a Netflix subscri- subscription. Um, but you know, I think looking at it. I feel like AEW, you could definitely still objectively say that it is an undervalued property. And for that reason, I don't think it necessarily hurts them. Maybe in some ways, they're a more attractive option for, you know, somebody outside of Warner, Warner media discovery to, you know, pick up. Um, doesn't necessarily maybe bode so well for, um, maybe them getting, uh, Ring of Honor or obviously, or like, you know, another, you know, kind of third tier if you're not WWE or, or, um, you know, AEW um, to, you know, somehow maybe get a look, but. um, Which I is interesting
1: know. on, on the ring of honor front is, you know, on the one hand, you look at it as this is a clear demonstration of the lack of demand that's out there. As you look further, I mean, what if you are Tony Khan and you, You know, clearly he wanted this on TNT or TBS. He wanted it in this family, and clearly that was not an option for him to be able to exercise. Even if you got a modest deal elsewhere, if you believe that striking a deal with another broadcaster in any way would cause friction with your home broadcaster for your A brand, which let's make no Uh, disillusions aew like that contract that is the important one and yes warner brothers discovery is not interested in this are they going to feel slighted even seeing like tony khan launching a wrestling program on another network and this could at all jeopardize your warner brothers discovery leverage which if there is not a ton of people at the table you're very much reliant on warner brothers and you the last thing you want is a side deal that somehow creates that friction when there's a lot of unknowns out there that maybe this is the safe play of not aggressively shopping Ring of Honor elsewhere, but we park it at Honor Club and hopefully we can package it somewhere else once we are negotiating these AEW rights or at a future date once we are secure in our future. I guess I can't just,
0: I just can't necessarily see like what, what claim, you know, Warner Discovery would have seeing how like WWE even within their own brand is able to split two separate deals across two different platforms, two different networks. Um, like, and I think to me, this also calls into question exactly what sort of like agreement um, in terms of production Warner has with AEW, what sort of ownership do they have of like, you know, the, 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 the TV. Um, I mean, you know, Tony Khan technically has purchased ring of honor under a separate you know under his own company right rather than uh, with AEW and so i feel like that would open him you know to be free to to shop around um he, you know he's given Warner Media every chance to put this product on TV and if they don't oh, take it i don't think he should necessarily be required to shelve it or just stuff it online lo-
1: logically of course that all makes sense that hey you guys don't want it i want to make this elsewhere you just don't know what personalities you are dealing with and suddenly we see a competitive wrestling show that's operated by this guy who is on our network and we're not airing it here but we also don't want to see it on someone else's network like that's not fair i'm just saying that if if that causes any kind of friction i i would imagine that is probably a, a small <laughs> probability of happening and more if, so if you're tony is- though
0: wouldn't you want to shop dynamite around anyway wouldn't you want there to you know wouldn't you want another competitor to, to, to make an offer outside of warner media
1: in theory yes yes absolutely i think it would be his preference to stay where he is but wants certainly like does not want so, just a, so you, a so reflection of them off either way it's it's very possible like this is like you are dealing with you know significant heavyweights um and looking for transformative money for for your promotion like tony is not out there to shop this so he gets a uh the exact deal that he has now like Forty-four million a year is like it's nice, but it's like that—that is not what this thing was launched to be making each year. When you look at like what they are spending, there's still a streaming deal to be had out there for them. Like a lot of you know very interesting questions, and for the Ring of Honor part, like I certainly look at this landscape that it's it's not great news if you are non WWE. We even have questions about AEW and what like Dynamite looks very secure. Rampage, you, you don't know. And for non WWE, non AEW, like I think a lot of these companies, they have clung to the idea of one day landing one of these big deals, and all these streamers are emerging. That there's got to be more money to go around. Pro wrestling is proven programming. I don't know. I I see it as less likelier than than any time in the recent number of years that any of these other like third or fourth level brands are are going to get like a sizable increase in its in their distribution and be paid real money that is uh, you know anywhere in this ballpark of what the 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 two big promotions are receiving
0: i think you're talking about oversaturation already just even within like you know the hardcore fan base um so yeah like i'd be curious to see how you know like the non-aew non-wwe tier um promotions are are
1: able to navigate Just before we wrap this up, if you are, you're going to play Nick Khan. Okay. And I'm going to play your, um, various executives that you're negotiating and we'll talk strictly SmackDown because I'm curious about this. If you are looking at a deal, I'm just going to make the math easy for the numbers. If you are offered for SmackDown, 200 million a year, which is roughly around what they're making now, 200 million a year, pretty much the same to stay on Fox. Okay. 123 million homes, 300 million to move to USA network 400 million to go onto Peacock or a a similar streamer, like an Amazon. Okay. So it's, you're taking more money, but it is less eyes that you have access to. Mm -hmm. What do you think is most important? Just looking at, at SmackDown. Okay. Well, obviously
0: eyeballs, you know, are, are very valuable for a company. Um, Just because though Fox has a bigger platform, has it necessarily translated to more eyeballs actually watching SmackDown?
1: No, no, not appreciably. I mean, they do fine, but they're not they're not Mm -hmm. gangbuster numbers they're doing on Friday nights. So at that point, you're really just talking about the prestige of being
0: on a network versus, you know, I don't know what, like maybe not so much of a significant difference. I I think the jump to like if if that was USA and we're we're talking a hundred thousand or sorry, hundred million, I, I have no idea what conceptually that even means like that's such a big number i don't
1: know well it's 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 a hundred million more for let's presume a five-year deal so it means you know half a billion dollars in additional revenue to lower and and you would think like the streamers would be going
0: picture visually what a hundred million dollars is but i i understand what you're saying john i i i i mean is the prestige of being on fox like that much more valuable it, it like are, are there other kind of like things that we we aren't considering like I, I i don't know like
1: i i think there's a lot of value to being on over the air broadcast television in terms of the largest window to find the most amount of new fans and that should, that should always be very important is creating new fans and i would say going the streaming route it's really hard like then like we are going in this era where it's like the idea like, I can't even remember the last time I've literally had my TV on and I'm flipping channels. Like, I mm-hmm. don't even do that. It's like you're going into – a. you have to know what you are trying to find. And yeah. I think that like, there's a big value with Fox just in terms of easy accessibility uh, for people that do not have uh, Amazon or do not have Peacock. And, you know, so similar to what we have seen, all these – like, the NFL, like, they made – and all these sports leagues, they have made, you know, linear – Like They are very reticent to just go the streaming route, even though there would be lots of financial opportunities. F1, I mean, like they turned down more money to go to Netflix than it was to preserve a deal with ESPN. They took less money to have Mm -hmm. access on ESPN, knowing what comes with ESPN and the accessibility factor, as opposed to a guinea pig on Netflix for live sports.
0: Yeah, I think that's the more interesting question, like what they jump over to a streamer for more money. Um, like the move from Fox to USA at this point, I'm not necessarily sure if like, it'll make that much significant difference for them, but like a, a jump to, to a, a strictly digital platform. Um,
1: and that's probably one. the comparisons you're, you're weighing unless, you know, uh, and, and I would think that if you are Peacock, it would just be the incentive of bringing everything under your umbrella, not having this, mm. you know, what is really the a show on a competing network, even though that competing network has no restrictions about promoting Peacock and mm-hmm. sending people to Raw. That there is a hidden value there as well for for NBC Universal having your product on another competitor. Yeah, like
0: I, I don't know if I make that jump if I'm WWE. I think you know that like people still see something that's on actual TV as, especially if it's sports as like maybe a bit more legitimate, I think, you know, the landscape can change entirely. If, you know, let's say an NFL jumps exclusively to, to like some sort of like online, you know, um, streaming platform, for instance, I think that'll change a whole lot. But for the time being, being on TV is I think very important and key to WWE's business.
1: Mm -hmm. And, And where Peacock is in five years is another big question because these, you know, the WWE network rights, those will come up as well. And then that will be like the next big deal for WWE to look out for. So, anyway, this is kind of just setting the table for next year. It's going to be a big topic of a conversation that uh, you can also hear on uh, WrestleNomics as they did their predictions on Sunday with uh, Chris and Brandon talking uh, more about this subject as well. But, uh, uh, just looking at Tuesday night before we get to Raw. Uh NXT that last week they taped two episodes. So tomorrow night's matches we'll see uh the New Day defend the tag titles against Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen, Indy Hartwell against Electra Lopez, Katana Chance and Caden Carter against Toxic Attraction and Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley for the women's tag titles, Zoe Stark against Nikita Lyons, and Axiom against Carmelo Hayes. Uh we go on over to Dynamite Wednesday night. They have Only three matches announced so far. The no DQ match between the death triangle and the elite Jamie Hader and Hikaru Shida for the AEW women's title FTR against the guns. Ricky Starks will be on the show. Brian Danielson will appear a face-to-face meeting between swerve in our glory and the next chapter of the book of Hobbs on the holiday bash edition of dynamite from San Antonio this coming Wednesday. One of the rare, uh, live shows that are coming up over the next week from professional wrestling. We got a uh, tape show Tuesday for NXT tape show Friday from SmackDown. No raw next Monday rampage too. I would assume rampage will be taped on Friday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So there you go. Um, let's get into raw from Des Moines, Iowa, the Wells Fargo arena, which became uh, Hey, Seth Rollins is from here. Edition of raw. Can you name any other people from Iowa? Um, people from Iowa, um, that's a, that's a good, well, um, uh, some of the, uh, the militage fighters were from, uh, Iowa. Right. Okay. So, so you Bet- can in bettendorf. I mean, that was, that was like right. the MMA capital of the world. Uh, you know, the early two thousands, uh, militage mm-hmm. fighting systems. So there you have it. never been to <laughs> so bettendorf?
0: I can't say I have no, no, no. Have not you ever been to
1: Iowa? Enough. I've never been to Iowa. I've probably flown over Iowa. All right. Never, never been have to go there sometime. Oh, we, we, we could should. go. We go on a road trip. We could try out cool? uh Seth Rollins coffee and um hey, that's one of my that that's one of my stops but if I remember in um
0: We did we did Iowa. meet
1: uh, some of the guys from the uh the Black and Brave Academy. Yes, at, we have. Uh, those were the, in all in. very cool guys as I recall. Yes. Mm-hmm. Both, the positive interactions for you at that convention. <laughs> so yes. mi- Main event, uh, they did the tapings. I'll tell you, like, I kind of like what they're doing with main event now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mustafa Ali over Axiom, which, I mean, God, if they got, like, eight, nine minutes, that sounds like a great – Axiom is, like, really starting to develop into – one of the breakout talents in NXT. To me, he is he is right at that top level uh, in NXT. Very impressive performer. And then Cedric Alexander, who's kind of been doing this gimmick now of beating all the NXT guys, beating Andre Chase, who, I mean, Andre Chase, not to be confused with Axiom, but I love this character. I really, really love the Andre Chase character. I just think he's, like, such a fun, like, interactive character. When he does the chase, you stomp, the yelling, the swearing. I just think he's a great character on NXT.
0: I like that like there's something that makes Main Event different from either NXT or WWE. It's not just sort of like a I don't know lesser version of either two. It's it's sort of the bridge where, you know, characters from both of those shows can connect.
1: And even like they did bring it up when Andre Chase was attacked in the back, Corey Graves explaining why he's here. He's going to be on Main Event this week. So, I mean, mm-hmm. making a, you know, a subtle promotion for the show too. Paul Heyman opens the show with a tape promo stating that Raw is the home of Kevin Owens, and he's with Roman Reigns as well. Presumably, this was taped on Friday, and uh, this looked to be the same backdrop. Uh, This was like the brick backdrop that uh, John Cena had as well. Um, Different locations. It's what we used
0: to have at the Fight Network, too. It's just like, you know, you you buy it, and and it comes like basically like as a layer, like all like that, from what I believe. Is this
1: a... Maybe this promo could have, like, Stem playing in the background. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kevin Owens! So they plugged the tag match for December 30th, and Reigns says that Owens' life, is- he's making his life a living hell. I don't know what he said here. Reigns is going to make Owens' life a living hell until everyone acknowledges the bloodline, and we cut to the Usos, Sokoa, and Zayn attacking Mustafa Ali, and thus began the bloodline show and this episode more than any other i can recall felt like (laughs) the bloodline is the most over thing we have and we need to get them onto as many shows and into as many segments as we can and that Mm -hmm. was tonight's show a lot of the bloodline well
0: i'll tell you you know last week we did not have any bloodline interaction and i i kind of feel like there's like it made a big difference. You know, like the, this show felt a lot more relevant to like, I think, the overall importance of um, WWE. Smackdown? Well, Smackdown, <laughs> it's 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 by far the hottest thing in the company right now. And when you're talking about a guy who's holding both championships, when you're talking about a tag team that's holding both championships, um, they kind of need to be on both shows. Um, otherwise, you know, it, it it last week's raw just kind of felt like it was really, you know, void of of like a real energy and an urgency. So I, I certainly felt like they added a whole lot tonight.
1: Yeah, and on, on that front, like coming off last week, which was the lowest watched opening hour in Raw's history, uh, tonight was not much easier because they were going up against the Monday Night Football game that was not just on ESPN but also simulcast on ABC. So it was going to be a big. Big audience watching football uh, th- this week as well that they were going up against. And we will see if last week was just a blip because a very uncharacteristically low opening hour. And they did start this one with, you know, your big star and Roman Reigns and then uh, getting the bloodline on there as fast as they could. So, and, and mm-hmm. teeing up quite a bit for the show. Street Profits with Akira Tozawa taking on Finn Balor and Damian Priest, who have the Judgment Day in their corner. And Dominic was doing this at the house shows over the weekend, coming out in sunglasses, selling the blinding from Asuka's Mist. I love it. Look at this guy. Look at this this guy.
0: Any little thing he adds to his, like, you know, presentation now, I, I mean, there's, like, anything he does, I'm just completely enamored with. And these sunglasses and that, like... Ridiculous grin and that slick back hair with Rhea Ripley by his side. I, I mean, he's becoming my favorite thing, uh, at least in the in, in the group, and maybe my favorite thing on Raw. Look at this. I'm imagining
1: him doing uh, Corey Hart uh, karaoke.
0: Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Could uh, could you give us a, a bit of what that might sound like?
1: Um, no, I can't. I definitely can't. <laughs> maybe on the Christmas show, we will see. <laughs> which is which is. God, I hope they've taped something of Ray. I, I Since Thanksgiving, I've been ready for Ray to go home at Christmas. There's no Raw next week, so I'm hoping there's some insert on Friday on SmackDown. But Ray, Ray's in the arena. Ray's on the show on Friday with uh, Angel Garza. So are we hmm. not going to get our Ray coming home for Christmas segment?
0: Oh, I don't know. I mean, they could always release it on social media and then play it play it for us after the fact, right? Yes,
1: you're right. We could do a digital yeah. exclusive on Christmas morning.
0: I, I will say, I think you know next week's like best of Raw, like that's a, it's a real opportunity to to do something fun and and kind of outside of the box rather than just a straight up hey hey like Corey Graves this is these are the best moments for, from the control center like like I, you know I, have I was Ra- surprised Hannah wrestler in character presented to us you know give us some sketches do some Dominic s- hosts uh, yes Dominic and Rhea yeah
1: Dominic and Rhea's absolute best of two thousand twenty two. Mm-hmm. Greetings and salutations. Another year is in the book. <laughs> Imagine these two like reenacting like a Christmas carol or something like that. Oh, I'd love it. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Except you, Dad, you deadbeat. <laughs> Dominic. He's getting some award from me next week. I don't know what it's going to be, but he's going to get one on our Best of Show. All right. Let's get into uh, the match here. So we cut to the bloodline. They murder Andre Chase. Then they destroy Elias and... Priest sends Ford over the top with a pounce. We come back. Dawkins. Dude, Dawkins did the world's greatest hot tag. Spinning avalanche. These roundhouse kicks. Then runs into a south of heaven. Ford's in with the from the heavens. And match is really clicking at this point. I thought the Street Profits looked really good here from the hot tag onward. Shotgun drop kick by Ballard. But then Tozawa throws his drink in the red cup to Ripley who ducks and hits Dominic with his sunglasses on. But I guess it penetrated the retina. And <laughs> the best part was the replay where Kevin Patrick is asking, what's in the drink? And Graves is saying, I can assure you it's not water. And as we're watching this slow motion replay, it was so clearly water. And, um... Well, I mean, come on. A lot of things look like water. That's not water. Well, the man that had glasses on. I wasn't... I wasn't, uh, wasn't too... Good. Like, unless it was like, um, I don't know, uh, paint thinner that, uh...
0: Hey, if you've had, uh, you know, uh, what what did he have? Mist in his eyes? What 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 caused
1: this? The blood, well, get blinded?
0: blue mist. If you were misted in the eyes and somebody poured vodka inside your eyes, how would you feel about that?
1: Uh, I w- I would say if 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 the street prophets are out there drinking vodka during their matches, <laughs> he's I, drinking,
0: I, yeah, Tazoli's drinking straight vodka. You don't think so?
1: Um, I I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I would say this: uh, these Street Profits, these, these hot tags would not be as uh, lively, I would say, if they were drinking <laughs> vodka during tags. Well, Tozawa wasn't wrestling. That's right. So uh, have at it. Well, I mean, he, he, did, he did later, actually. So. I mean, a lot of performers would have been drinking a lot heavier if they had to be that ninja character for all these years. And then this all die, distracts. Right? Finn Balor is so distracted by this and gets rolled up in nine minutes and two seconds. Uh, some finishes die hard. And we get a roll-up finish the Street Profits prevail, and then Ripley issues a challenge to Akira Tozawa.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, good action in the ring for this one. I, as always, I think the Profits uh, have been really impressing since they've been back. They, to me, actually feel quite refreshed. And I don't know if it's just because we haven't seen them for a while, or, maybe, or more likely, it's probably because we're seeing them against fresh opponents in Judgment Day. So I, I think they're doing great. I love that Tozawa is now seems to be a permanent part of their act. Um, so you know, more on that in the next segment.
1: Yes. We got a rare intergender match on raw with Ripley and Tozawa. The bell rings after the break. And like, they had to work this in such a way where Tozawa was never going to strike her and barely do any offense on her. So Ripley is daring him to punch her and ends up, landing a boot on Tozawa and then dropping strikes on the back of his neck. And then... They, they certainly had a few spots where they were off. There was a leapfrog yeah. out of the corner where Tozawa lost his footing. Then Ripley uh, lifted him up in the air, which was supposed to be a Rana spot, and just lost him. So they had to redo this, and Tozawa goes to the floor. Balor trips up Tozawa. The Prophets then come in with double Topicon heroes onto Balor and Priest. Riptide is countered, and Ripley runs into the post. Tozawa sends Dominic off the apron, misses with the senton, and Rhea hits the Riptide in four 57. So this was a match that I'm sure had a lot of uh provisions in terms of how they structured this and what they were going to allow. So there was I'm sure some uh some creativity that this demanded to try and make this passable for 5 minutes with the the limitations that they're not going to do violence against women.
0: Yeah, very much so. Um so so you know um they no punches, obviously. Um, but ranas are okay because uh ranas are okay if it's a, a counter. You know, it's a counter to an offense. Like like you know, what happened here with the power bomb. So um it's 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 it could be very technical, I suppose, in trying to get you know make their way around it. And and for that reason it takes a guy as talented as an Akira Tazawa to be able to, you know, work under these limitations. Um I think it was, you know, a pretty bold attempt, and I think for the most part it turned out pretty well. Of course, there were some pretty ugly moments, unfortunately, but I, I like the fact that they're putting Rhea over so strong. They're putting over her stronger than I. I mean, you know, any female wrestler that I can remember, you know, for the past decade plus. I mean, everybody obviously makes connections in comparisons to China, um, and you know, this is probably the closest thing we've had to to that sort of run. Um, maybe Beth Phoenix, actually, you know, uh, but I part of me just kind of wishes it wasn't somebody as talented as to you know, somebody who who I think who I thought they were going to actually, you know, become serious with. But I mean, they went to lengths to protect him. They they made him like, you know, reluctant to, to, to attack Rhea and everything. I, I just feel like if you're going to go this way, go all the way. With Rhea Ripley and you know, her beating up the men. I, I, I think this, this should be a continuing thing. I think she should next week challenge gallows and Anderson, beat up Gal uh Anderson, beat up Gallows next. And then um, you know, like make this an actual thing. Like how far will they take it? Will they get you know can you remember the China run though? They they probably weren't under so many like uh restrictions back then, right?
1: Oh, they they they, they were pretty carte blanche back back then. I don't think right. they had any any concerns.
0: Yeah. So they probably can't go as far as to like you know make make Ripley you know like as,
1: as Jeff champion. Jarrett was waffling women over the top of the heads with guitars right but you know Ripley is
0: like uh, far more I think convincing you know like her the, the skill level in general is just so much higher now and, and her, she herself is is just like uh, a very good wrestler although you know you did have some blemishes tonight
1: should they put the never open weight title on Rhea Ripley
0: yeah I think so I think it would have, be an improvement have
1: her go to the Tokyo Dome and defend against Hamatonga.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: They, they showed the angle with Adam Pierce firing Bobby Lashley last week, which if you don't follow WWE.com, you would learn that Pierce uh, rescinded the firing last week and Pierce is on the phone. He's trying to get a hold of Paul Heyman and he tells Kathy Kelly that what happened to him in Lashley um, is between them. They had a talk at headquarters and it's only a question of when, not if, Bobby Lashley will be back. So what a, What an awesome angle last week to go off the air with this tease that he's fired. Uh, you tune in this week. It's uh, it's addressed about a half hour into the show where you are told he was not fired. He's back. Uh, he, he's on vacation. He'll be back soon. Right. At the very
0: at least he didn't show up on TV. Like, at least it sets in motion some some sort of like transformation, you know? Technically, he was let go, and then he's been brought back, but at at least he's not on TV, and he'll probably come back a little bit different.
1: I just feel it's kind of like a waste of a firing angle to just do one of these, like suspend him or something.
0: Uh, I mean, if they said suspension instead of firing, would it have changed that much?
1: I mean, it's a reason for him not to be here. Like, if he's not fired, then where is he? Why isn't he at work this week?
0: Maybe he just got – well, when was he unfired? Last week, like Thursday, they put that video up. Oh, so plenty of times. Maybe he already made plans for Monday. You know, after he's like, oh, "I'm fired. I'm gonna, you know, go out for dinner uh, with my wife or something like that. I'm gonna watch a movie on Monday." Okay. Well, um, I, I guess <laughs> sure. Bottom line here, it seems like it's 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 uh, setting MVP to to pair back up with Bobby Lashley, maybe a reunion of the Hurt
1: Business. Okay. Yeah. That's that's one way to go. And we'll see. We'll see where, where where's omas is. Did Omos – has omas had uh, dinner dates the last couple of months? Yeah, uh,
0: that's a great question. I don't know, but I mean, Lashley's a heel now. MVP was like he was always better with, with, with MVP. Um, maybe you get a Bobby Lashley omas pairing as part of a renewed herd business, and you know, bring back Shelton and Cedric. Those guys are always ready and available. Okay,
1: maybe you could get a, a Madcap in there. R- Riddick omas. Hmm. Then we have another attack backstage <laughs> where Dolph Ziggler and uh, Cedric Alexander are taken out to pasture. And Ziggler Ziggler asks, "What happened?" And he tells us it was the Bloodline. A real a real caper. This uh, this detective story is uh, going. I was just man, the twists and turns. <laughs> it was the Bloodline. <laughs> I saw them. <laughs> Yeah, do you even have to ask?
0: Like, who who was it? I mean, you had you know Jimmy and Jay like grab the cameras and basically tell you we're gonna do this throughout the rest of the night.
1: You know, Ziggler has a special skill because you know how many attack angles we've had in pro wrestling where the guy getting attacked doesn't see the attacker. And and you're saying he sees all? Ziggler did see the attackers here, so I mean, he's he's mm-hmm. way ahead of the game compared to other victims. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows against Alpha Academy. The best part of this match was that the most over babyface was Otis, who the crowd just yeah. chanted for. They cheered when he got in, um, rendering Anderson and Gallows just nothing here. Otis hit a discus lariat and then uh, an assisted slam uh, to, uh, with Alpha Academy onto Gallows. Gable lands on his feet from the moonsault, eats a kick from Gallows, and they beat him with the magic killer in 905. So Chad Gable... Um, Getting comfortable in the role of guy who can come out, have a nice solid match every week, and we beat him like a drum. Oh,
0: he's been that guy for like you know thirty years. I mean, he'll it. It's probably Chad Gable versus Rhea Ripley next week, and then and and yeah. I'm not even complaining about that. You know, it'll, the match will be great. Gable will be talented enough to do it, and then I think. Rhea should destroy Gallows and Anderson because, come on, dude, this was proof positive that like Don't, this crowd would rather cheer for Otis than Gallows and Anderson. It it does not bode well for these two babyfaces who I just think are are pretty awful on Raw.
1: It, that's going to babyface Rhea Ripley if you are putting her against Anderson Gallows, especially Gable. I mean, like that that is to me the. It, like what you want to get out of Rhea Ripley, because this kind of booking, it's going to have the same effect it did for China, that the audience is going to get into her, and it is a, which is not the worst thing to have like a brand new baby face coming out of this. Um, they can yeah, certainly use some
0: timing, though, might not be that great if you're going to pair her with Bianca for mania. But I mean, you know, ultimately, does it make her more of an attraction? And I think the answer is yes.
1: The bloodline jumped the OC in the ring. This includes a one D onto gallows and did get some heat here. Pierce and the officials are out. And after the break, Zane says that Pierce you're the only one that's upset that we are here. The fans don't mind these attacks, and the fans are just cheering this, like, yes, this is way better. And we have a message to deliver, and this is a small example of what will happen in Tampa for the tag match. And they're totally treated like the stars of the show. The crowd starts chanting Usi and Sammy Uso as they leave, and as they're walking to the back, AJ pops out and attacks Zane and Zayn is complaining, and it leads to a match being made by Adam Pearce between AJ and Sami Zayn for later on the show. Hmm. Byron Saxton did a sit-down interview with Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss. And finally, we got Alexa Bliss's entire last year summarized. Belair says she doesn't trust Alexa after what happened last week, where she nearly hit her with the sister Abigail. And Bliss explains that Bray Wyatt abducted her and played mind games with her and then abandoned her and left her broken. She has abandonment issues and therefore went to therapy last year, which I, I thought Alexa, like, like helped burn him or something.
0: Didn't Alexa leave him dripping that... goo on his on
1: on her forehead? Have you ever been abandoned? Sometimes you have to confront your issues head on. She's mm-hmm. trying to deal with this as best she can. So she went to therapy, but therapy left her a shell of her former self. I'm glad this mm-hmm. wasn't airing during like Mental Health Awareness Month. And she has nothing to lose and therefore everything to gain. As Belair says, I sympathize with you, but I don't believe you that you don't, didn't know what you were doing last week. And Bliss points out that I am a threat to you not Bray. And I was winning championships a long time before you came. And then the logo flickers on the screen and Alexa takes the, the, the vase of flowers, the point set us and mm-hmm. points at her target and blasts this glass vase into Bianca Belair's head. This is a little heavy duty for a match. That's coming up in two weeks. She broke glass. This was like Rafa Garcia here. She could have <laughs> severed an artery, no blood yeah. here well
0: Thankfully. i mean internal yeah we we assume we we hope we hope no, nothing there's no bleeding here but i mean i think it i think it needed to be a bit more violent you know we're talking about the fiend here we're talking about people who burn each other right um with ooze dripping out of their foreheads i think it, you know this was kind of tame in comparison um but yeah no it's it's interesting here you know this is a uh, the most I think we've gotten of uh, Alexa kind of making reference to, to you know, her past and um, it catches the audience back up about who she is. And it's interesting that they've kind of reframed her past few months as like her being a shell of her former self. Um, which,
1: which Corey Graves has been threading that needle on commentary for months, months. Yeah. Pointing out lines about her being uh, uninspired. And it's actually I mean, been to the detriment of the match where it's not been some of the greatest matches either. And maybe this is a grand plan. Uh, I,
0: I, I think it's how you can get away by explaining, you know, somebody's just had some really bad, un- uninspired creative for the past like six months. Uh, she was, she's a shell of her former self because. Do, of do you know those therapy.
1: therapy segments ended in February? And they put her into mm-hmm. elimination chamber. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> dude, wow, this was
0: long. it was ten months ago. She ended therapy. She's been a show for a long, long time. Yeah. Um. So you know, they're 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 you know putting making it very blatant that this will somehow connect to the Bray Wyatt storyline over on SmackDown. And I think it's one of the more interesting challenges Bianca has had. She's never we've never seen this character face you know um, spooky uh, the fiend like. Type of challenge, um, so it's a different type of story for Bianca, and um, I mean, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see um, what results at the end of it. I, I hope, um, I hope it's good. It could be good or it could be bad, as we've seen with Alexa and Lily. Lily, by the way, seen here in the in the
1: background. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Looks like uh, there, there you have it. Uh, so this match will be in two weeks in Nashville, uh, in Bianca's home state, not her home city, but her home state. The Miz and Dexter Loomis in a ladder match. Johnny Gargano in the corner. There was a point at the beginning of this match where literally two guys were trying to start a tiny balls chant. It was the saddest thing ever. The first half of this match, I thought, like this is like one of the worst, no nothing, nothing happening ladder matches I've ever seen. Like just yeah. nothing at all. Yeah. But then we 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 truly have learned that as much as people want to talk about Cody Rhodes or Sami Zayn, or even The Rock, facing Roman Reigns and beating him for this title. You want to know who the biggest breakout star is over several years? It's the table, okay? The table is the most over thing in this company, and it turned this match around at the end and certainly woke this crowd up. They just wanted a table, and it, it provided an energetic final several minutes and, and a big return at the end of this. But yeah, the first half of this, I was just nothing was happening here for me um we we see them climbing up they're fighting for, for the money where like no explanation that miz like fronted him the money we just kind of he got the money that you can fill in the blanks on that after that cliffhanger last week uh what what
0: last week he me?
1: explained he doesn't have liquid cash he's got an allowance from maurice and that she wouldn't go for this right right but this so week somehow... he just showed up he had the money
0: you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he knows
1: people. He maybe, he got a, maybe he got a draw from from the back. Maybe he just got, a, got an advance on the house shows coming up. So uh, Loomis gets sandwiched inside of the ladder, and then he tips another ladder on top of Loomis and just drops all these chairs onto Loomis, including an office chair, which looked like a ton of fun to take. And... <laughs> Then he just strikes Gargano and he beats the hell out of Gargano and goes to tip a ladder on Gargano that misses him completely. So just strikes him with the ladder. Gargano is just taken out of this, like just nothing. He's. Disappeared, he's gone. Loomis rises from the debris, drops Miz onto a ladder on the floor, and then the place is going nuts, just calling for the table. And there was a spot when Miz brought the table out, huge pop, and then he slides it back under the ring. And it leads to Miz being placed on the on the desk, and Loomis leaps off a ladder and misses the leg drop onto Miz, who moves out of the way on the desk. So Miz struggles into the ring. He's hopping on one leg. You think he's going to win, but Loomis returns from the dead yet again, sending Miz off the ladder. He's about to win when all of a sudden, don't call me Jonah. Bronson Reed makes his return to WWE, attacking Dexter Loomis, and then uh, hits him with... uh, A splash, as Kevin Patrick identified it, Corey Graves correctly uh, calling it a tsunami and helps Miz up the ladder to grab all the cash in 18 minutes and 24 seconds. Once you saw um, his... You know, obviously the the reports out there that this was someone that you know Paul Levesque was intrigued to bring back, as he is just about everybody when he wasn't on the World Tag League lineups, wasn't part of Wrestle Kingdom. I think like everyone was just awaiting when he was going to be showing up. Are you surprised he is back in this type of a role? And what did you think about the return? He is the Mrs. Muscle.
0: <laughs> Am I surprised to feud with Dexter role? Loomis? Presumably, I, I mean, I, I think there are only a few options if you're a you know returning talent or a debutant talent on WWE raw and um uh, you know one third of those seems to be as a lackey for the miz um so it feels like a, a role that i don't know is 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 pretty a standard uh, of our debuting character on raw um what happened to tommaso champa by the way is he is he just injured or something he's like? hurt he's hurt okay there you go so you know i i think at least you know um bronson reed jonah is, is a much better like heavy bodyguard type for the miz and um in terms of personalities, I mean, they completely contrast. I don't necessarily see these two hanging out too much, but I, I mean, th- there could be some funny sketches. I, I, I guess I'm just not, I'm, I'm not that thrilled with this Loomis thing anyway. And, and the tinge of it seems to indicate that it's, it's going to be more humorous than anything. Um, but I mean, for Bronson Reed, you know, looking to get an introduction, you could do worse. You know, you could, you could just be sequestered on, on a, I don't know, undercard main event type of role, um this at least guarantees that he'll have some tv time.
1: Yeah. And you know from new japan's perspective it is kind of like it's it's pretty tough when you're bringing in some of these foreigners and i mean god they gave him the world during the G1 And you know, Okada did get his win back in October, but it certainly does make you think like to give that gigantic push, like this is a realistic outcome when you don't have these people signed. And it's kind of how far do you go? It's like, is it worth our while to bring a guy in and we go 50 50 with him versus the full on push with the faith that we will reap the benefits of a guy beating Okada in the G1 and presenting him as a big monster? Like he came out of that G one with a lot of momentum, but at the same time, if you don't have a guy lost up you mm-hmm. run this risk of here we are several months later and he's gone
0: that's it you know like if you don't have the money to play around with like a WWE does it's 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 going to be tough to play that kind of ball so um uh you know it's WWE's game but I mean at the same time I, I really do question at this point you know with all these names that Triple H is bringing back how much of a value do they really bring to the roster um are we is Jonah going to be a difference maker in any significant way, six months from now? Um, It's a lot of stockpiling.
1: It's a lot of stockpiling and it's, and as well like if you are somebody in in NXT for instance and you're, you're chomping at the bit like your, your goal is not to be in NXT forever and yes you can feel bad about these people that lost their jobs but at the same time like you've been working hard for the last year and it's like when am I going to get my turn and you know the roster you're just watching these numbers pile up that even when I get the call up like where am I going to be slotted it's like there's a lot of people on these main, main rosters and and where where, where that room is going to be like it's it's certainly not just an exclusive problem to aew of all these big signings and then what do we do with them like that's it, it's building them up so we will see what happens with with that of uh bronson reed who's coming in and hopefully it means something for johnny gargano because he is a uh, he is an example of everything we're talking about who has just been greatly diminished and <laughs> was just an afterthought in this this whole match he was just laid out and never heard from again uh, then we have Seth Rollins coming out, uh, getting a reaction here in his home state and a welcome home chant. He says the bloodline has been going after everyone except me. And he has a message for Roman Reigns that Mondays don't belong to you. Austin Theory interrupts him and they chant that he sucks and says that even Rollins acknowledge this is the top title and Theory proclaims the champ is here. Austin Theory is forever This is just the beginning. You are going to pass the torch to me or else I'll just take it. Rollins jokes that maybe you'll end up like Bobby Lashley. Yeah, maybe you'll get fired and rehired three days later. Uh, Maybe with a, yeah, uh, and a manager perhaps. Yeah. Theory says that Rollins has been lucky for his entire career. And Rollins can't understand why he's so angry. He's got so much going for him, and he has grown up. He's no longer the selfie guy or daddy's little boy. But the one thing that means more than being that champion is that you will never be me. You aren't on my level. And Theory asks Rollins, how many times did you fumble the ball when it was handed to you? Takes a dig at the Chicago Bears, and that one day Seth will realize that you're only the third most successful member of the Shield which leads to Rollins yelling, I am the damn mountaintop. I am Everest. I can only hope our nickname's coming his way to add to the list. And Rollins challenges him on the spot, but before they can go at it, the Usos and Solos, or the Usos appear, and Rollins is willing to work alongside Theory to fight off the threat, but Theory hightails it, leaving Rollins alone to get beaten down two-on-one. Kevin Owens runs in, they clear the ring, and the Usos are challenged by Owens for a tag match later in the show.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean a real nice little sort of like hometown promo segment from Seth Rollins here. Um, I I thought it was fine.
1: How about (laughs) Theory? Did he? How are you thinking he is adjusting to this more serious role that they've placed him in?
0: I think fine, um, but it's going to be difficult, you know, trying to maybe live up to um, the excitement I had for the championship with either Lashley or Rollins holding it. I mean, it certainly feels like it's uh, an afterthought in a secondary championship right now, rather than something that was the focal point of the show at, at, at a certain period. Um, but it's 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 a fine role for him. Um, I I still question whether or not he's the right person to be put into this sort of f- spotlight than others, but. I I think he's doing all right. How about you?
1: I I think it's an improvement. I think, I think he's certainly developing that confidence and, you know, he, he did very well in that, uh, that, uh, what was it? The triple threat match at at the last pay-per-view at, at survivor series. Like that was a really good match being paired with Rollins. I don't know if you could ask for better. I'm sure their match in two weeks is going to be excellent, which he kind of needs. He needs to be working with, with guys like Rollins consistently. Um, but there's still a lot of work to be done. I don't think he's quite clicked, but there's certainly been improvements over the last month. I would say. So
0: Rollins here, uh, you know, made mention of Reigns, so maybe we can look look towards that as being the program after Owens potentially.
1: Um, yeah, it's it's certainly possible. You have you have you have your Rumble program, which uh, it really feels like they're building to Reigns and Owens for the Rumble. Like that is the immediate match. But then you got Montreal the next month, so there's multiple ways you can go about doing that match or
0: or that it's show. Saudi as well, don't you?
1: Uh, Saudi is not, and it's not before Mania this year. Uh, oh, okay. it's likely going to be after. So they've just got the Elimination Chamber as your show in between Rumble and Mania. Becky Lynch does a promo on Bailey. She Did wants to best- uh, skip Skip Zayn versus AJ. Um a good question. Did we skip? We totally skipped AJ and uh Sammy Zayn. So we will rewind. Uh this was before the Rollins segment. And uh Styles uh catches Zayn off the turnbuckle and turns it into a backbreaker. Uh we see AJ with a with a rack bomb and then blocks uh the Styles clash is blocked. Zayn hits a very El Generico esque brain buster for a two count. The Pele lands for AJ, which Graves asks if we can now call it a messy after Sunday. Did you watch any of the World Cup play I, I did not
0: I heard it was quite the game yeah, I, I heard it like on the street afterwards, yeah like, me all, the, too. all the Argentinians winning or, or celebrating, but yeah I,
1: I watched the I watched the the last few penalty kicks, Wow, penalty kicks, man oh
0: yeah it came to, it, was, it was
1: dramatic game listen, I think uh, I, I, people are calling it like one of the greatest uh, finals of any any championship ever like it was incredible to watch, but i 'm not going to profess myself to be someone that uh watched too much of it. AJ stops a haluva kick, goes into the calf crusher. They make it to the ropes. Solo Sokoa appears through the ropes. Zane capitalizes off the distraction. AJ knocks Solo or goes after him. And then the referee's back is turned as Solo hits him with the Samoan spike. And Zane wins with the blue thunder bomb in 1255. So maybe an Mm -hmm. AJ Solo Solo Sokoa match on a future television show.
0: Perhaps. Yeah. And I mean, they're, Protecting Solo pretty well. So, I mean, I don't necessarily see AJ beating Solo, um, which would be mm-hmm. fine. I don't know. I think, I think Solo's just been doing tremendously. I mean, this match, along with a lot of the matches, really the show in general felt a bit colder than I was expecting. And I don't know if that's just like Iowa sort of being the crowd that prefers to watch rather than, you know, make. They, w- they wanted to noise. see
1: Seth Rollins and tables. That's what they wanted on this show. And some ladder yeah. spots that looked to be what they were interested in. The rest, not a whole lot. Uh, Becky cut her promo on Bailey. Basically, um, it's not that you took me out for four months, is that you had help doing it. Uh and Becky has done bad things too, but she does it herself. So um hmm. if you're gonna kick my ass, um do it one on one. Yeah. But at this well, point I,
0: yeah. well, okay. it's like, yeah. It's kinda of true. Like her heel run, she she didn't necessarily have any backup. That's true.
1: Bailey and Becky Lynch, a nice match that they had here early on. Graves is making reference to, uh, Becky's influences of rollerball, Rocco and Johnny Saint. Uh, Becky is run into the post and we go through the commercial. Bailey's in control and then kicks the knee of Becky during a struggle for the backslide. Uh, we get, we got some Masato Tanaka spots here. First, a sliding lariat to the back of Becky. And then later Becky bringing out diamond dust, uh, from there, Kai and Sky grab Bailey to prevent the manhandle slam, and Becky goes after them. She grabs a TV monitor, threatening Sky and Kai, who are ejected. And then as the referee is dealing with them, Bailey takes the monitor and slams Becky from behind and hits the rose plant, pinning Becky in 14 minutes and 26 seconds. So she didn't win on her own like Becky mm-hmm. wanted her to. But, I mean, she technically, um you know, the others were distracting her, but it was one-on-one with a with an object so i don't know this is right on the line of becky's allowable violence i'm guessing she'll complain about it
0: um and and somehow they'll get to a rematch um maybe without the other two involved somehow
1: best of 21
0: okay all right maybe maybe yeah you know considering their history um i'm hoping for this year to maybe get a bit more heated and personal than it it has. I mean, it's just started, you know, you would assume that this is just the the first in a series. But, yeah, at the, at the moment, I mean, it, it you know, kicking it off on TV,
1: it, it was okay. Rollins and Owens are in the back, and they have to figure out why they stopped teaming um, back when Vince was booking the show. And Rollins uh, can't remember. And Owens says, well, you were trying to take my WrestleMania spot. And uh, Rollins can't remember. And we all take their word for it. But tonight, they're together to beat up the bloodline, and that is our main event. The Usos take over as they go to the break. Heat on Owens, and then a tag made to Rollins. The crowd humming along with his song. Hits a big double high cross onto the Usos. And then Owens with the frog splash on Jimmy for a two-count. Owens cries for the swanton, lands on Jimmy's knees, and then Rollins comes off the steps, is met with a super kick by Jay Solo, who was on this show, I think in about 55 segments, jumps the barricade, is attacked by Gallows and Anderson, Jay dives onto them, Rollins dives onto them, and then Solo misses, runs into the post, stomp to Jay, and then Theory app- appears, behind the barricade, and gives Rollins a belt shot, so Rollins is down. Jimmy and Owens are left in the ring. We see a super kick from Owens, two attempts before finally hitting the pop-up powerbomb, and Kevin Owens pins Jimmy Uso in 10 minutes and 50 seconds to not win the tag titles. Um... Well, he has to earn a shot, of course. Yeah, this is this know. is in Liv Morgan and Tegan Knox. Okay, you yeah. need to you need to earn your tag title shot. That's
0: a good good point, though. You know, they should probably. Um, I mean, but Owens doesn't seem like he's interested at all, and they'll, they'll probably maybe they'll, they could even just explain that that Owens has such set on Roman, he never wants to team with Seth, Seth Rollins again, other than in Iowa, and uh, therefore he's going to not go for the championships. But I mean, this is all part of a bigger story of now Owens having beaten both having pinned both Jay and Jimmy, right, Um, on Raw. Um, So, yeah, really good main event here. You know, all four of these guys are excellent, and uh, it furthered a number of matches here. You might get Gallows and Anderson versus either the Usos or Solo Sokoa in singles capacity, Theory versus Rollins, and, of course, Reigns versus Owens.
1: And so Owens is left in the ring, and then the closing scene sees Sami Zayn sneak into the ring behind Kevin Owens, who turns around catching Zayn, and Zayn ends up leaving the ring and the crowd boo's Sammy Zayn and they're behind Kevin Owens here, which to me was mission accomplished of what reaction you wanted here. And the question of what was Sami Zayn going to do if Kevin Owens didn't catch him? So I like that. And Zayn leaves with the Usos and Solo Sokoa and going off the air, they plug SmackDown on the 30th with John Cena and they just plugged the U.S. title match for January 2nd. They didn't put up a board for Bianca Belair and Alexa bliss. So, but they were stating that was going to happen in two weeks. So presumably we're getting two title matches on the next live edition of raw. And that was it Mm -hmm. closing out the year. Yeah.
0: I I thought the show overall, like did a pretty good job of promoting um, John Cena, basically being on uh, Fox in a week's time. Like this is really kind of their big thing that's going on at the moment and it felt like all hands on deck to try to get the word out and I thought the presence of the bloodline and Sammy being on the show like achieved that and um yeah overall the show um I think felt like a better show than last week certainly but I don't know if the crowd reactions were were all that great um but yeah
1: it was a show. Um, they they did move several things along, but it was a very heavy focused bloodline show, which was for the better. I think like they are in many ways, um, they are the lifeblood as well uh, of these programs. Um, but I, I can't say like too much outside of the bloodline stuff. To me, is really connecting in a big way. I mean, you've got to a degree like Rollins and Theory and Air and Bliss, but I wouldn't say like any of the Raw specific programs that to me are. You know, super compelling. It just feels like it's, it's some angles that are put together, but the glue on this show is really the bloodline. And that is the, the characters that everyone seems into. And it's, Mm -hmm. it, I'm not sensing like anywhere near that with the kind of B programs on Raw.
0: Yeah, even the, a, the what's supposed to be an A program on Raw kind of feels like a B program in the shadow of the bloodline. And I think we should uh, have higher expectations for Raw. Like, everything on this show should be as good as what's going on with the bloodline and Sami Zayn. Um, but you know, it just kind of maybe points to a lot more deficiency within raw. They're trying to start something here with Bianca Belair and Alexa bliss. So we'll see if they can get to those levels. But beyond that, we're talking about Dexter Loomis and the Miz we're talking about, you know, uh, Becky and and Bailey could get there, but it's just starting and and it doesn't feel that hot right now. Um, What else we got, you know, Rhea Ripley, um, you know,
1: Ripley beating
0: up dudes. Yeah, yeah, uh, that that was a talking point, point, so yeah.
1: All right, so that was the final Rob 2022, and now we will move on to some feedback and see what everyone had to say about this show.
0: Yeah, uh, let's go first of all to some of these Super Chats. Thank you so much for the support, Rob McDonald. He sends a Super Chat to say, Scarlett Johansson is in Home Alone 3. Merry Christmas. That is true. She was
1: in that movie 24 years ago.
0: Wow, amazing. I forget that she was a child actor. That's crazy. Uh all right. So uh and then we've got Matthew Yanes who says post wrestling rules with a Z.
1: Thank you, Matthew. We appreciate it very much. Thanks, Matthew. With a Thanks Z, very, support. very nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah,
0: like anarchy rules.
1: Let's uh sorry, just pulling this up here. Let's uh let's move on over to uh Saeed from Vancouver here. A lot of fun matches tonight. Bailey and Becky have a lot of chemistry. Kevin Owens is so much fun to watch. Hell of a promo from Rollins in theory. Uh, Bronson Reed better have been promised something big for him to leave uh, New Japan after beating Okada. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he is coming in for um, a, a very nice contract. But I have a feeling that won't happen as he's just going to be Miz's muscle. Now the bad. Gargano still stuck in this feud with the Miz and Lily peeking out behind the couch after Bianca got knocked out. I mean,
0: that's just the story, right? Like, what's what's so bad about that?
1: I mean, it's, I, guess, I guess Lily. Lily's never been gone. It's always been hovering.
0: Yeah, true. Okay, let's go to Muggin, who says, For a holiday-adjacent episode, Raw didn't phone it in. The bloodline became the through line with their gang assault, and Owens and Rollins won despite some outside chicanery. Bronson Reed, hot off the heels of a New Japan excursion, got another chance. The judgment day continued to flourish, and Dominic's laugh riot with his eye issues. Solid way to cap off the year. I'm glad they're getting a break next week with the clip show. Yeah, not so much a break for the roster, but uh, I guess the TV crew.
1: Yes, and uh g- good for them. Always uh deserve deserve a break, at least for one week. All right. Well, thanks everybody for sending in your feedback, your super chats, and uh throughout the year. We appreciate uh, all of you uh joining us on these uh on these live Mondays or Wednesdays or Fridays, and we are going to be back. Tuesday night, it is Rewind Away, the final Rewind Away of the year. We are chatting about the Undertaker's second appearance on the Broken Skull Sessions from November of 2020 where are you sitting down with some Jack Daniels to watch this later tonight or early Tuesday morning?
0: I might sit down with some undertaker wine.
1: Yes. The undertaker's wine is brought up in this sit down interview between Austin and the undertaker. Cannot say this came out like a few years ago. I cannot say I've ever heard of this wine outside of this sit down. They came out with, it was undertaker wine and warrior wine. And I don't know how successful it did. Um, this is the I last stuff on know. earth I would ever try.
0: Yeah, when I think of the Undertaker, I'm not necessarily thinking of wine, you know, nor the Ultimate Warrior. Um, I mean, I'm not much of a wine person anyway. So, I, I WWEWines.com.
1: Really kind of... Let's see if this—it's uh, not even an active URL any longer. I mean, what you're
0: really selling is just a label on a bottle, aren't aren't you? I mean, that's that's a huge part of the
1: alcohol industry, is it not? I guess so. Yeah.
0: Limited edition cabin, Cabernet Sauvignon.
1: Very limited. Yes. Not a, I, I don't know I, guess,
0: know. I guess, I guess I, I get it. Why? Cause it's like uh, blood, you know, like he's a, he, he's a dead man.
1: Yeah. but Pull that out at a party and see all the laughter that ensues. Uh, I'm sure you would be, you would be the hit. Hey guys, I brought uh, some undertaker wine. Uh, so we will discuss all of that and more on Tuesday's rewind away for post wrestling cafe members. Wednesday night, we're live at 10 Eastern, right after Dynamite. So look out for that. And uh, anything else, Wade, the wellness policy. What is uh, How are you guys putting a bow on the year?
0: We are uh, me, Jordan, Neil. We're actually holding open phone lines. So whatever you guys want to talk, talk, talk about, maybe it'll be chalk. Um, uh, and we'll just have a big old discussion. And if nobody calls in, then it'll just be me, Neil, and Jordan chatting so that'll be this thursday 3 p.m eastern time link will be available in the post wrestling cafe but is the show's available for
1: everybody all right and that is wrapping it up for us we'll speak with you all later this week and get your jingles in wednesday 1 p.m up at the forum goodbye